0: Tonight is uh, part four of our study called A New Life. And tonight we're calling, uh, tonight's teaching, Relocate. Let's start by reading our theme verse from Revelation 21, verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And as we've been studying these last four weeks... uh, the Lord said, it was the declaration, his culmination declaration of uh, the culmination of all that he did in creation. He says, behold, I'm making all things new. He's not making all new things, he's making all things new. And, and we're coming as those who come before his throne, because he's the one who sits on the throne, he's the king, he's the master, he's our Lord. And we come before his throne and say, Lord, if you want to make all things new, then let me be a candidate to be the first one that you do that in. Make me new, cause me to become renewed and cause me to have a whole new uh, life. Let, let that which you are doing, let, let me be a participant in, in that. Let me be a part of what you're doing. And so the first week we talked about being reborn, and that's how we begin. We, we can turn into a whole new life. The second week we talked about being renewed, and the fact that uh, He renews our mind. He renews uh, the very spirit within us. He renews our heart. He causes us to uh, look at life and participate in life in a whole new way. Last week we talked about renegotiating. We talked about the fact that that we actually are in a new covenant, a new testament, a new agreement. Uh, God actually uh, entered into a whole new arrangement of the way that he relates to mankind when Jesus came. And he he sealed this new covenant in his blood and that we have a whole new deal. And uh, Jesus negotiated the deal for us. He negotiated a better contract for us. And then he sealed it in his own blood. And now we relate to God under grace. And we relate to God under uh, this wonderful concept of hesed. Which means God is working just as hard, probably harder, on your behalf to fulfill the terms of the covenant than you are. God is doing the work for you. In all those ways that we could never measure up. He came and did for us by bringing His Spirit and putting His Spirit within us. And so that we don't ever have to worry about, you know, am I going to let God down? Am I, am, I, uh, am I not doing enough for God? God's saying, no, I've done it all for you. All you got to do is just show up and relate to me. And that's the beautiful new uh, new arrangement that we have in Him. Amen? Did you guys enjoy those teachings? Those have been good, huh? Tonight we w- we're talk about relocating. And I kind of teased you last week because I said... Um, uh, God has a witness relocation program, a witness protection program. And uh, I don't know if any of you like uh, mob movies or those types of things, um, but this idea of a witness protection program is even found in one of my favorite cartoons. How many of you ever see the Pixar movie called The Incredibles? Yeah. Now, now, this is a unique witness protection program because the government tried to protect all the superheroes because the superheroes had uh, fallen out of favor with mankind, and so they... they, they put the superheroes into a, a witness protection program and basically a witness protection program is if someone who wants to come under protection of, of the government for an exchange for something typically is information uh, you know somebody rats out Guido and they want to make sure that uh, the guy who ratted out Guido doesn't get rubbed out so they so the government comes in in exchange for his testimony for his being a witness on behalf of the government they usually do a couple things for this person they usually take them and they do, the first thing is they do is they give him a new name, a new identity. The second thing they do is they take him and his family and they relocate them and they put them into a, a, new, a new location. And this is all the intent that uh, if, if, if they give him a new start, a new name, move him out of the area and in the, in the jurisdiction of, of the people that he is around, then he can actually start his life over and, and can actually be safe from those who would want to cause him harm. God has a witness protection program for those who put their faith in him. For those who become his witnesses, he gives us a new identity and he causes us to live in a whole new place. Now, we don't necessarily change our address, but he's, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and that he actually causes our... our, our our, uh, our residency, not to be of this earth, but we become citizens of heaven. And so tonight we're going to talk about God's uh, witness protection program. And we're going to start where we left off last week, in the, uh, in the book of Hebrews, in the 12th chapter. It talks about, uh, for those of us who come in faith to Lord Jesus, we actually are enter into a whole new set of relationships. We enter into a whole new set of circumstances in terms of just the way that relate. And, and look what the Bible says here. It says, "...but you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, and to the general assembly of, and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect." And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. So see to it that you do not refuse him who's speaking. For of those who did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape, who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he is promising Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This, this passage of Hebrews is speaking to those of us who now have entered in this new relationship. And he says, you got to understand that when you, when you walk on this earth, you're not, just, you're not just living in Orange County. You're not just living on the United States of America. You're not just hanging out with uh, your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers. Your very life has now come into the presence of God, into the presence of heaven. It, the Bible in, here in uh, the book of Hebrews even talks about the fact that we, we live our lives before a cloud of witnesses. And that is as, as if we're running a race and there's a whole stadium of, of the heavenly hosts who are watching us and pulling for us and rooting for us for we to finish the race. And for us to do the things that God has called us to do. And we're not alone. You may think you're alone, but you have, you have all of the hosts of heaven who are with you. And we've actually come into the presence of God. we come before Jesus. And we walk in this majesty. We walk in this glory. We walk in this presence. The Holy Spirit has come and lived within us. We've become the temple of God. We have become the, uh, the vessels of the life of the Lord Jesus. And we are members of one another. And we, we see the body of Christ as we see one another as we gather in meetings like this. But you got to know around us right now, there are... Millions of heavenly beings who are looking in because the word of God is being pro- preached. And there are those of us who are walking in the grace and the anointing and the covenant of God, and they are very, very interested in everything that we do. Does that sound spooky to you? No. You, you got to realize it's, it's not just flesh and blood. This is very temporary. But the Bible says we've come to Mount Zion, the place where God dwells. We've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We've come to the God and judge of all. We've come to myriads of angels. We've come to Jesus. And when it talks about the fact that he spoke and, and the earth shook, this reckons back to the moment when, when God had set Israel free from Egypt and they had gone into the desert. And God says, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to camp here and Moses, I want you to come up to the mountain because I want to give you the law i want to give you the the testimony i want to give you my ordinances i want to give you the way that i want you to form this nation into a people that are after my own heart a people who reflect my my statutes and my laws and when moses went up into the mountain the top of the mountain was fire and smoke and every time god smoke uh, spoke the whole earth would shake and the people were scared to death and in fact they would they would withdraw and they says we don't, we don't even, don't, have him stop speaking, is too scary. Because the power of his voice was actually causing the earth to shake. And there was a time when he first gave his law, when he gave the Ten Commandments and he gave the laws to Israel, there was this, this moment where the people were experiencing and saw the, the fire of God on the top of the mountain. And the voice of his, uh, of the power of his voice caused thunder and the shaking. He's saying, but that, that was an experience that they had then. But now we've entered into a new covenant, and he's taking that law, and he's not written it on tablets of stone, but he's written it on the tablets of our hearts. And the power of God, now what he's shaking, he's not just shaking the earth, but he's shaking anything that can be shakable. He's shaking anything that is temporary. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to get into our hearts and trying to get into our heads and trying to say, if you're holding on to stuff that is just temporary, that can be burned up by fire, that can be shaken and and be destroyed that way, you're not not focusing on the right things. He wants us to focus on the eternal things. He wants us to focus on heaven. And not just someday I'm going to die and go to heaven, but it's, it's like what Jesus taught us to pray. You remember when his disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray? He says, pray this way. Do you guys remember what Jesus taught us to pray? He says, our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Then what did he say? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth. On earth. What? As is in heaven. Now this is how Jesus taught us to pray. This was the very opening. He says, when you pray, now he wasn't trying to get us to say specific words, but he wants us to have a certain mindset. When you come before God, I want you to declare that he's holy, he's hallowed, he's perfect. And your kingdom, your authority your rule, your power, I want it to come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now he's not saying someday in the by and by. Jesus says, I want you to pray that way right now. I want the attitude of your mind every time you every time you pray, every time you even think about God, I want you to think how perfect he is, and Lord, your will be done. Let what you're doing in heaven be done. On earth, we're made of the earth, we're made out of the clay of the earth, this vessel that we're living, but we're spiritual beings inside of an earthly vessel. And He wants us to start to think in the ways of thinking of heaven, putting heavenly ways, Heaven's thoughts, Heaven's priorities, Heaven's goals, Heaven's commandments, Heaven's um, objectives to be our objectives. And that should, be, that should be the first thing. It's not, Lord, I, I have all these ideas and all of these plans. Would you come and bless what I'm doing? It's no, no, no. Whatever you're doing, let me receive what you're doing and let your will be done in me. Does that make sense to you? And so, so when, we, when, we, when we take this attitude, when we talk about relocation, I'm not talking about you packing up your stuff and renting a U-Haul and getting a different house or an apartment. I'm talking about changing where you live in here and in here. Don't just live in the mire, in the grind, in the temporariness of this world. Do you, do you realize stuff, stuff stuff can get broken, it can get stolen, it can get lost. You can spend a lot of energy accumulating a lot of stuff and then somebody else will find it valuable and come and take it away from you. And then what do you have? You just have heartache. But are the things that you're focusing your life on isn't temporary stuff, but it's eternal stuff. The stuff that God says to you, the stuff the Holy Spirit says to you, the stuff that Jesus does in your heart—guess what? That could never be taken from you. It could never be shaken. It, it could it could go through the fire of the consuming fire of God, and it will test, and it will resolve, and it will last because God's presence with us is everlasting, and He is a consuming fire, and He will burn up everything that is burn upable, but that which can can endure the power and the presence of God. That those are the things that will remain forever. I, I hope you don't find this spooky, but guys, I want you to be eternal beings. I want you to think eternally. I want you to start living another way. The Bible teaches us that we're just aliens. We're just foreigners on this planet. We should all have a green card. We should. We should all understand. Pastor Ricky even talked about this. We, we should understand. We think we're Americans. No, you're you're heavenlians. You're your, your residents of Mount Zion. You're residents of the New Jerusalem. Not the Jerusalem there, you know, in the Middle East, the the Jerusalem in the heavenly places. But He wants to come and live in our midst, okay? So, and, and God, has, God has always trying to get His people to think this way. This is not some... I'm not trying to teach you some kind of new religious thing. This is the heart of the Father. This is, he has always wanted us to think not just on, on the temporary things that we live in now, but in the eternal ways, look it, we can all go all the way back to uh, the, the book of Isaiah. And here's, a, here's your first fill-in. There's a new heavens and a new earth. A new heavens and new earth. Look at Isaiah 65, 17 says this. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. Now, when he says, for behold, what does that mean? Do you guys know what that means? It's kind of a Bible word, but what does it mean to behold something? What does it mean, behold? What? To see, it. to see it. Say, to see it. To look at it. Hey, take a look at this, is God saying. Open your eyes and take a look at this. Now, he's not, again, he's, and he's talking in spirit here. He's not talking about some sort of future place. He says, for behold, it's not I will create. Does it say I will create? No, he says I create. It's, it's, it's because God is always now and God is always new, he's creating a new heaven and a new earth. He's causing every time one of us, every one, every time one of us come into this family, every time another person comes into the family of God, the heavens have changed. Because there's a whole nother resident. When there's millions of us coming and understanding and stepping into what God is doing, all of a sudden the heavens and the earth are changing because the whole the whole dynamic is changing every time we begin to behold what God is doing. Every time we begin to pray like Jesus taught us to pray, Father, let your will be done here on earth. All of a sudden, the whole attitude, the whole dynamic, the whole force, the whole Influence of what's happening on this earth is changing because people of heaven who are living on the earth are starting to look into what God is doing. Does that make sense? It, well, okay, let's keep, let's keep working on it. Maybe this will make sense to you by the end of tonight. 2 Peter 3:13 says this. According to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This, this attitude of That which God is doing in the heaven, let your will be done here on earth. Is an attitude is I'm not going to go up to, I'm not going to come into the heavenly heavenly realms and mess it up. (laughs) I'm not going to step into the presence of God and, and lower his standards. Right? When I come into the presence of God, I begin to recognize that He's holy, He's perfect. There's no flaw. And, 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 and we've talked about the fact because the blood of Jesus causes us to be blameless, we can come boldly into his presence and we don't all of a sudden shirk away saying, well, I'm not worthy, saying, no, I'm not, I'm not worthy on myself, but he's made me worthy. He's called me into his presence. He's made, he's made a seat at the table. He's made a place for me to be a part of him. So, so I step in and all of a sudden my life gets right. He adjusts me. I don't adjust him. He's the one who changes me. I don't change him. He never changes. He's always perfect. But every time I come into the presence of the Lord, I don't know if you guys know this right now, but right now, you are changing. Just tonight, right now, as you listen to this word and you you start to pay attention and you start opening your heart, he's changing you. And he's causing you to come a little bit more into righteousness, a little bit more into a heavenly mindset, a little bit more into alignment to his will in your life. Do you receive it? You see that you're being changed? And we we need to, like Peter says, we need to be looking for it. We need to be looking for it. Uh, The heavens are there. God's Spirit is there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And we look for things which we cannot see. We look for for a, a life that we cannot see in the natural but we can see it in the spirit. And I'm not I'm not talking about weirdness. I'm talking about this is this is the spirit realm and the heavenly realm and the and the new heavens and new earth is far more real than anything we're experiencing in on this planet. Because the stuff on this planet is temporary. It will it will burn and it will shake and it will and it will go away. But the but the heavenly realm is eternal and if we're looking for it, we'll begin to see it. Let's fill in the next one. The next one is God in our midst. God in our midst. M-I-D-S-T. And this is, how this, this is how this is even possible. Ezekiel 37, 26. We're going back again to his promises from long ago. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them And I will set my sanctuary, where? In their midst. midst. For how long? Forever. Forever. In the the very beginning of this nation of Israel, when they they were set from Egypt, and they became this this new nation, and he caused them to create a tabernacle, it was made of, of tent materials. And it was designed in a certain way, so that as God led them on their way to the promised land, that every time the presence of God moved, they would pack up everything and they would move with him. And they'd pack up their tabernacle as well. And the tabernacle at that time was a tent. And it was very portable. It was a portable tent. And the presence of God was, was identified in the Ark of the Covenant that was set inside this, this tabernacle. That they would, Every time they set up camp, they had set up the tabernacle again. And then every time God's spirit moved, they'd pack it all up, and they'd move, and they'd follow after him. And they did this for 40 years, following after God in the wilderness. Then they built a a temple. And they said, well, at least now God has this permanent home. And yet they realized, God, you can't dwell in a a building made with man's hands. And even this, this building that they built that was very beautiful, finest of all materials, Overladen with all this gold, that the that the kings of the earth came to see this great and glorious temple. But when his people turned away from him and they turned to idolatry, he allowed other nations to come in and they just wiped it out, tore it down, burned it up. And they built it again. In that third temple, the second temple. So when the one that Jesus came to, and, and his disciple says, look at how beautiful this building is, Jesus. And he says, you know, there's not going to be one stone standing on top of another. And in AD 70, the Romans came in and they tore that one down too. If God's presence had to be in a box in a building, we'd all be hosed. But, but that was not his plan. His plan was never to have his presence be in some beautiful building. His plan has always been to have his presence, his, temp- his sanctuary, beware in our midst. And that was all the way back in Ezekiel. He says, this, this is what I want. I want to put where I live. I want to be the place of worship to be in, inside the hearts of my people. Look what it says in Isaiah 60, 19 through 20. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord... For an everlasting light, and your God for your glory, your sun will no longer set, and your moon, nor will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. This again was a was a promise, and again the nation of Israel they 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 were caught in these cycles of these of these festivals, and and they're always looking for the next holiday, and they're always looking for the next Passover, and they're looking for the next. you know, tabernacles feast and they were always looking for the time when, when they would have these, these uh, celebrations when God would come and visit them and he says I, I want you to understand your, your life isn't supposed to be measured by the, the earth circling the sun and, and, the, and the seasons and the times and the dates of this planet I, I want you to understand that I'm going to put my light within you and you're, and you're not going to be you're not going to live your life based on the calendars and based on the days of this earth or, or, the, or the worship of, of, of the moon going around in the sky, I want you to understand that my life will be within you. I will be your light. And what did Jesus say when he came on the earth? He says, I am the light of the world. And then he turned around and he said, you are the light of the world. He's, he, because his whole understanding was, I'm putting, I'm putting my spirit, I'm putting who I am right inside of you. Okay? Revelation 21, 1 and 3. This was John. He says, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. Looking to a future event, okay, uh, uh, something that will happen. It'll be a great and glorious day. But we got to be looking for it today. We got to be looking for that, that experience. We got to be people who so live in the in the seeing what God is doing and the praying the way that Jesus taught us to pray, that it isn't just some you know what I just I'm just going to wait till it happens kind of thing. It's no today, Lord. Let Your kingdom come. Let Your will be done. Me, set your tabernacle inside of me, let your spirit dwell within me, let my heart be the place where God lives. Does that make sense? Let's flip over, let's flip over our uh, alliance to the backside. This is where it gets kind of fun because this is where it reminds me of the witness protection program because we get a new name. We get a new name again. This was prophesied back in Isaiah, Isaiah 56 5. He says, To them, I will give. In my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Isaiah 66, 22 says, For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. Revelation 21, I'm sorry, Revelation 2, 17. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I'll give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Revelation three twelve says this. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. You know, Names are, are a funny thing. Names are, we take names kind of personally, don't we? It's our identity. It's, it's who we identify as, ourselves to be. And in, in the mindset of family life, uh, names are what are, are handed down from family to family. And, that, and a name, a family name, endures because it's passed on from generation to generation. Except for an instance like mine. I have four daughters. One of my daughters is married. But when she married the man, she didn't, she didn't take my name. I performed the ceremony. I'm the pastor. I performed the ceremony. <laughs> I walked my daughter down, and then I turned around, and I stood up in front of them, and I performed the ceremony, and suddenly my daughter no longer carried my name. She goes by a whole different name now. She carries another family name. And when she has children... Those children of hers will not have my name any longer. They'll have his name. And I got three more daughters, and they're probably all three of them going to do the same stinking thing. (laughs) And I'm going to pay all this money (laughs) to marry them off, and my name will not continue. You know, if I was all caught up in my name, my name legacy going on, that that would be a really depressing thing. But it's temporary. But I have a different name. It's not the name that I received from from my father's or my father's father. It's the name I received from my heavenly father. It's the name that was given to me by Jesus. It's the name of Christ. The anointed one. And that name will never be taken away from me. That name will never fade. That name is eternal. And that name what he is, what he's done, I, I want that name to endure. Because his name is his nature. His name is who he is. And his name is worthy to be praised. His name is honor and glory. And I am, I am so honored to have been given the name of my Lord Jesus. And so now when I pray, when I approach the Almighty God, the Holy One, I don't come in my name. I come in His name. And I pray in His name. See, when we pray in His name, it's not, in Jesus' name, amen, like it's some sort of magic phrase. No, it's, Father, I stand before You, and I, I wouldn't have any right to stand here, but I can stand before, before You with boldness and with confidence, and I can ask You anything, because I ask in the name in the nature, in the person of your son, Jesus, who shed his blood to redeem me and to make me holy and blameless. And I can stand before I have a whole new identity. And it doesn't matter who I was and what I did. Now I've come into that name and I have an access to the throne of God and I live and I identify. My whole new identity is in the name of Jesus. And when I see you, I don't see you based on the name of whoever your biological heritage is. I see Jesus. And I come to you and I relate to you in Jesus' name. And we're brothers and sisters. We're members one of another. We are all together because we are all in and have received his everlasting name. Isn't that cool? Now that's a witness protection program. We've been given a new identity. And that's part of the beauty of being made new in him. When he makes us new, he gives us a new name. Look what else he gives us. The next villain. He gives us eternal life. Eternal life. And we read this a few times in, these, in this uh, series, but let's read it again. John 3, 14, 16 says this. As Moses lifted up the serpent, I'm sorry, the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be, be lifted up. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes will in Him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 10, 28, Jesus again said this. He said, and I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that powerful? Second Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So even if this tent gets torn down, and either it will, it will wear out, or something may happen to it. Who knows? If this tent gets torn down, uh, it's not the end of me. If your tent gets torn down, it's not the end of you, because God has built this eternal place for you to live in His presence, in the heavenlies. So that's why, guys, start start looking up. Start thinking that way. Behold the new heaven. Behold the new earth. Behold the new Jerusalem. Behold your new city. Behold where you really live. Because where you really live is in God. Not on this earth. Not in this earth. In the new earth. The new beginning. The new us. The the new life that he has placed within us. Let's fill in the last one. All things new. All things new. And this is where we find the theme verse from our series. And he, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, "Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God, and he will be my son. See, we come in the name of Jesus. He was the only begotten of the Father. He was the firstborn, but, but he gives his life and His Spirit to every single one of us who overcome, who get over this world, who get over this old life, who get over this this broken system, and we step into the new. We step into what God is doing. And He gives us a new name, a new place to live, an eternal life. And He makes us new. And folks, I I just want you to, to, no matter how old you think you are, tonight I want you to become brand new. And I want you to become brand new in Him. And and I want you to start living in heaven because you've come to heaven. You've come to the new Jerusalem. You've come to, to God. You've come to Jesus. And He's put a life in you that will never wear out, that will never die, will never perish, will never grow old. In fact, in Him, we get younger every day because behold, look at it. He's making all things new. And I just want to encourage you, Don't wear out. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated. Don't don't cry over the temporary things of this earth and, and let them tear you down. Look to the heavens. Let him do something new in you tonight and tomorrow and the next day and every day because we're just beginning on an eternal journey. An eternal journey and we're doing it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your life. Thank you for this word. It's so powerful. It doesn't matter that you declared it thousands of years ago. You're declaring it fresh and new to us tonight, and we're receiving it fresh and new tonight. And so we pray the way that you commanded us. Holy is your name, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your rule and your authority come into our hearts. Let what you want to do be done in us as everything that you declare in heaven happens the moment you declare it. May it happen in us the same way, Lord. The moment you speak to us, may we say yes and amen. May we respond as those whose identity is not ourselves, but our identity is you, those of Christ, those called by your name, those called by your power, those who are those who have your very spirit, your very holy place, your very sanctuary in the very midst of who we are. We don't see you far and away, some distant place. We see you right in the midst of who we are. And let your power, let your kingdom, let your life, let your glory, let your light, let your kindness, let your wisdom, let your power, let your grace, let your love, may it reign within us. And May we be what you called us to be the light of the world. Sons and daughters of a living God in the midst of a dark and perverse and crooked generation, may we shine as lights. That everlasting light. Not the light of the sun or the light of the moon, but the light of God. May we have the power of praise. May we have the nature of your name. May we walk in obedience to your word. And may we extend the life that you've placed within us to all those who need it, who so desperately need it. And may we be ever new because you make all things new. We hear your command. We hear your declaration. We hear what you're saying. We look. We see the new heavens. We see the new earth. May it be true in us. May we walk in it, in the newness of life, that you've given us, that you gave your life to give. May we not reject it, but may we hear what you're declaring from heaven and let that which is declared in heaven be true in our hearts tonight and for the rest of our lives throughout all of eternity. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.